Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Sean Little. Sean's a mental health expert, and he's gonna be talking to us about mental health and mindset today, and sharing his story and his experiences, and how he's reframed his mindset for success. I'm really looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today, I've got Sean Little, who is a mental health expert, and has his own business called Mindful Training Limited. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good, thanks. I'm really good, thank you very much. Brilliant. And what what have you been up to this week? Uh, this has been a, this has been a fun week. I'm trying to cram th- five days of work into three days uh, because I've got to nip up to Edinburgh and take uh, take my eldest, well, the the middle one, eldest. I oh, shouldn't hear the kids say that. Um, take the middle uh, son up to Edinburgh to visit his university because they've opened up to do a campus tour. So suddenly it was all hands to the deck. And so it's late work, get the work done and then have two days off midweek. So we're just oh, wow. about okay. there. Quite, quite, a, quite a busy week then. And what, what's he looking to study? Anything exciting? Um, he's Well, it's quite an interesting one because he's got an interesting brain. So he's either going into IT and looking at physical networking of IT systems or psychology. So you've explained to me how he gets gets those two choices. I don't know. Wow, that's a contrast, that isn't it? That's a real contrast. <laughs> well, as you know, with, with the podcast, we, we always start with your story and you tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, if we could start there and then obviously we get to some questions around mindsets as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, please do. So um, my, <clears throat> excuse me, I tend to think that mine's not not so much a typical story, but but it can be in so many ways and it has been in so many ways. Um, I, I um, didn't really have a direction when I was younger and I just kind of fell in to what I was doing. Uh, and it turned out that I was good at talking with people and dealing with the public as such. Um, so I went into that sort of arena and then found myself in a corporate career. So I worked for some blue chip companies, had some great times with E&J Gallo, largest winery in the world. Fantastic times there. Really, really intense stuff. Um, Whitbread, I was the national account manager there with them in the leisure division, just as they were changing into leisure and going away from brewing. So that was really interesting. And then spent 10 years in the corporate banks, which for me was not a great move. Um, I love working with people. Um, I work less well in a very regimented and very profit orientated um, organization, which as it was, I spent 10 years there. So that didn't, I, I did well. I was, a, I was an associate director. I was, you know, living the life and, and, and getting paid all the benefits for it and driving the cars, but it just wasn't feeding me at all. And then in 2008, I got made redundant along with 250,000-ish people um, when the world crashed. So the financial crash of two, 2008. Yeah, um, yeah. It was called the toxic takeover and Lloyd's were forced by the government to take over HBOS. And I worked for HBOS at the time. So 80% of uh, them kept their jobs, 20% of us kept ours. Uh, I was obviously in the 80%. And I went through uh, two years of unemployment, which I'd never experienced in my life. So this was uh, absolutely massive change for me. Uh, but what it allowed me to do after a period of, of poor mental health myself, because you know that really, really puts strain that I've never, ever, ever faced upon me. Um, so I had depression. I was diagnosed with depression. And um, after therapy, talking therapies, I came back and with the help of the people around me and one particular key person, he helped me bounce back and realized that I was completely doing the wrong thing for me. 
and not living my life. And so now that's why I'm 11 years later, uh, I'm a mental health first aid instructor trainer for MHFA England. Um, I've just recently become an associate tutor for the City and Guilds for Suicide First Aid, Prevention and Awareness, a mindfulness practitioner and a coach accredited by the ILM. So this life completely different and so much more happy and enjoyable. And, and unbelievably, which I didn't really look at and it was never my target, but more financially successful, but the, the finance follows just as a result in this life. I don't even concentrate or think about it now. Well, that, that, that's an amazing story. And, and obviously, you know, a real hard experience that you went through to get where you've got today. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how being in such a difficult situation, you know, for that to happen, I, I guess at the time, it must have been so difficult. But for you to get direction and do what you're doing now, that's, that's a massive pat on the back. So well done. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it isn't down to me. It's down to me being able to listen to other people who could help support and guide me. Um, and that's what really helped me. You know, when you talk about mindset, it was me opening my mindset to others. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, so, you know, if I was to ask the, the question, why is mindset so important in what you do? So could you, could you talk to us a little bit about that and, and what you do just in general, you know, as, as a mental health expert? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's you can guess that mindset is is incredibly important in my professional career, um, never mind my personal life, but you tend to find that it's a blend. So in the mental health arena, mindset's incredibly important. Um, the mind is an incredibly powerful thing. What we direct it to, um, it can achieve mostly, um, but we don't tend to direct it. So we kind of we kind of just do um, what we think we should or what we're conditioned to do. And that's the more, more likely thing. That's what I was doing in the first part of my life. So the fact that um, I went through this poor mental health experience, what I've learned is that sort of thing does not define me. It can, in fact, make me so much stronger because it helped me understand what mindset is or indeed can be and how, how strong it can be and how I can use it. And it's about choice architecture, uh, this thing that we call choice architecture, so building the choices that you want to make when you want to make them, not, not being beholden to any conditioning that we've had since school or um, nature and nurture and early environment. It's breaking all of that and building your own personal mindset to be as resilient, um, to allow it to be hit. You know, we're all going to be hit. Resilience doesn't mean that we won't get hit and fall down, but it is about bouncing back. And I think that's why it's so, so important. I, I've seen how I can bounce back. I've seen how other people can bounce back much, much more than me. So now I recognize the power of mindset. I don't know, that's, that's amazing. Aaron. Such such a brilliant explanation. You're quite right. We can so easily just find ourselves on autopilot and potentially drifting in life, depending on what's going on in our lives. And you know, I think what I captured there is, you're so right, is that we do tend to get what we focus on. And I, I love that choice architecture. That that's that's really really powerful. So yes. you know, how how would you describe then your mindset? Um, so I've yeah, I've really changed my mindset to become. Um, I guess a few words would be open, curious, um, uh, dreamer. Um, they're the main. They're the main ones. As long as I come back to that that the superpower that is curiosity then I keep myself wondering, hang on, could I use this to my advantage? Can I use this to help others? 
Um, and that way I can take something that normally I might have reacted against and turn it into an open response um, that possibly might even be of no use to me, but might be of use to another person. And I know that the more people I can help with, with physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical things, that it will come back to me at some point. So that's just what I do. I, I just react with curiosity. I mean, even when I don't, even when I react in the moment and I'm still the old Sean, which happens all the time, of course, then I can just catch myself in the moment. And that's when you use mindfulness just to just to click your fingers and just, whoa, hang on, hang on. I don't need to do that. Let's just be curious. What could this be about? Where could this lead? And that's what really, really has helped me reframe everything. Curiosity. Brilliant, Spray. That's, that, that's really, really powerful. You know, I, I think that, we, you know, at times in life, depending on what's going on in our minds, is that we'll play different scripts and mm. the script can be quite negative sometimes or it can be positive. And, you know, if you don't recognize the scripts that we're playing, then the, the impact it can have on your life quite massive and devastating. Um, so, so, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, when, when we're in a good position and, and we're aware of our mindset, but obviously you work with quite a lot of people that are coming to you because they've got some kind of issue or they recognize that they're not strong mentally. Um, so, so where do you start with that? How, how do you actually help people? Yeah, there's, there's, there's two things. I mean, there's uh, the, the, the beautiful thing about what we're moving through right now, if we were looking at this point in time, is, is COVID, is the pandemic. And um, basically, that's, you know, 10 years worth of change in one year, which is why it's so painful. Um, we're getting 10 years worth of change. And that's brought mental health to the, right to the top of the agenda. More yeah. people are being affected more than ever before. So, yeah, so we're getting more people. I'm talking with more people who are experiencing something that either they've experienced in small ways or never really been curious about it or open to it and just, you know, fluffed it off. But now they can't escape it um, through to organizations that are recognizing that to actually make themselves stronger and deliver more productivity, increased retention of staff, you know, all those wonderful benefits that they will get through mental health training. Um, they have to tap into this. They have to understand and be open to talking about things uh, to get rid of this thing that we call stigma. The, the stigma is the thing that's held us back uh, from, from understanding why we do what we do, why we're reacting as we're reacting. Um, and also we have stigma with ourselves. So we're getting people, you know, I'm talking to, to loads of people um, all the time. And we, as I did, um, first time uh, in my life uh, where I experienced poor mental health and I didn't seek help and I didn't get diagnosed with it. I got through that myself, but that was ridiculously hard and tough and took longer than it should have done uh, and was more painful. Um, it's about being able to, to get rid of that stigma, to, to talk openly, to say um, what is happening, what, is ha what, what are these thoughts, being open to it without actually feeling any judgment so with yourself or with uh, uh, or from an organization and more and more people and organizations are starting to do that, which will only make them stronger, be able to take, you know, one of the things that I'm telling people because the data backs it up is if you're not in the right mindset, if, if you have this thing called present, if you're experiencing presenteeism before, which is when we're in the workplace, when we are working, whether that's at home or in the workplace itself, and you're just not in the right you know, you've experienced something, you're getting hit by stress, anxiety, depression, bereavement, something. And, but you say, no, 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 I'll get into work, I'll get into work. 
you will only work at 75%, 50%, 25% of your capacity. So it's actually impacting the organization. And it's also taking you longer to recover. So the data from the, the Office of National Statistics shows that we lose twice as much productivity, call it whatever you, whatever measurement of money um, that you want to do, to uh, uh, staying in work and actually trying to work rather than taking the time off to fully recover and recharge. And that's the difference. It's about helping people to actually accept that and be open to it. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I think there's, there's companies in the world right now that they're actually trialing the four-day week, aren't they? Because yeah. And yeah. then trialing it with great success. You know, it, it obviously is a, you know, you can do your job in four days, that relief and giving people more time back and that work-life balance is having a positive impact. Yeah, all of the, there's a Deloitte study um, that I always refer back. There's, there's so, so many studies, but every single one shows that the return on investment for, for mental health um, uh, training is, is just ridiculous. So the Deloitte's one, I love um, Deloitte's is a great benchmark. So Deloitte showed that you get, uh, for every one pound that you invest in mental health training for your organization or for yourself, you'll get a return of a minimum of five pounds and you tell me at this point in time where we can get five quid back from any bank for every quid that we invest. Wow, that's that's really powerful. It really is. So, so what what practical tips would you give others to develop the mindset? And I guess there's kind of two states here, isn't it? There's the states of when things are going well, and maybe the states of when things are not going so well. Yeah, yeah, great. And it's great that you broke it down like that. Um, and that's really important because it's not just you know, mental health is not just when we're in poor mental health. We all have mental health, whether it's good or bad. It's just or along that line. It's the same as physical health. You know, if I've, I had the Michael Owen injury, the ACL uh, reconstruction. And during that time, my mental and my physical health were awful. You know, 18 months of rehab before I could get back to even thinking about running and then getting back on, on the football field. Um, but when I got back there, I got stronger both mentally and physically. And this is what I do now. I, I point my mind when I'm well, when we are well, let's make ourselves stronger. Let's be open, curious. Let's get that sense of discovery. Let's find out how we can build on our strengths. This is what we call in the, the health and care sector in the NHS, the strengths-based approach. So we, yeah. we don't just look at what, what we're weak at and improve that. We look at what we're stronger and we massively build that forward and then when we get to these times, when we do feel a little bit hit by this, that or the other, first of all, we're in a good place. So we can actually recognize the triggers. We can recognize the state of mind because that's important. If we don't recognize that and we go past them, then we're going to be deep in something before we even start to do something about it. And then there's the second side, which is actually being able to recover. So recovery, recovery is very probable from, from most, if not all, mental illnesses. Um, and disorders, recovery is eminently uh, uh, probable. Um, it's just about actually dealing, spotting it, dealing it with it and getting help and support to help you recover. Early intervention is always, always vital. Right, so I'm with you. So just picking up on a couple of things that you said there, I mean, firstly, I can't help myself, but ask, um, so what position did you play in football? <laughs> I'm, I'm a classic uh, centre-back. Um, I had a feeling you were going to say centre back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a no nonsense. Yeah, 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 have it, get it up the park, uh, take the person out with the ball. I'm afraid, 
Um, just nobody's coming through me. That was me, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, so you see, I, I played up front, so I think you kicked me at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very probable. It's more than probable, I'm afraid. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> no worries at all. And um, the strength-based approach, I think it, it's so powerful, isn't it? You know, because people tend to be excited and enthused when you talk about the strengths compared to if you talk about somebody's weaknesses and something that they're not good at they're not really going to be motivated to improve that so i do find that, that fascinating um and something obviously that you've used with organizations yeah yeah oh gosh yeah absolutely and that's and that's the wonderful thing you know we go in and uh, to organizations and they say they expect us to say oh yeah you, yeah let's have a couple of mental health first aiders but it's not about that. If the strengths-based approach, you know, you've got to look at the foundations. You've got to, you've got to look at how an organization can become a mentally healthy workplace. So, so you know, it's all about that. that and this is the same with, with us. So it's a three-stage strategy. You look at the foundations, you look at the, the policies, procedures, and frameworks, the culture, and you work to change that. And that's what that's what we work on. Then we work to instigate the mental health first aiders. So that's your key information. How do you want your mindset running? And so you get your mental health first aiders, you know, not not huge amounts of them, one in 10, one in 20. Brilliant. Let's do that. But then what you need to do, of course, is you need to get all that information be mined out to the rest of the body. So you spread the awareness and you do smaller courses for team leaders, supervisors, managers around the organization to help that culture embed. Otherwise, it's just a one off intervention and it doesn't make a sustained change. So it's the same as for the mindset, same as for the organization. Makes makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. So so just going just slightly off to yeah. who has actually helped you to, to develop your mindset. I know you said there was somebody mm. who massively helped you at some point. So you know who have you learned from to develop your mindset? There was the original guy, and I will mention him, um, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll send this over to him so he can hear this. His name was Sean Hennigan, um, and he's an incredible friend to this day. Uh, he's my mentor. From, from those days um, and got me started in training. He's an organizational psychologist and he started off with one question, uh, which helped me come out of my low mood and depression, um, which I was starting to recover from. Um, and he asked me, what makes you happy? And that's where we started. What makes you happy? I couldn't even answer that. All I could answer him was what made me not happy, which was banking. So, so that was who started me off. So Sean holds an incredibly, still to this day, an incredibly special place in my heart. Um, there, there are three main people, actually. Well, there's quite a lot, but there's three main people that I've come across as inspirations. Um, there's, there's Professor Damien Hughes, um, who you obviously know of. Yeah, yeah he's, he's amazing. I attended some of his lectures um, and uh, about emotional intelligence and stuff. I'm just incredible, just incredible. I may have yes. borrowed a couple of his exercises as well. Um, and there's another guy, there's another professor called Daka Keltner, who's out at University of California, Berkeley. And he is incredible. He's, he's a co-founder of a place called the uh, Greater Good Science Center. And everything they do is data um, driven. Uh, but it's everything to do with, you know, mindset, uh, resilience, uh, mindfulness um, and positive psychology. And the studies that they do are phenomenal on compassion and caring. And it just blows me away listening to it. they do. They do. Uh, he, he's written several books. He's, he does yeah. a great podcast as well as you. You know, so you and you and he are my two go to podcasts, actually, for the gym. Strangely <laughs> enough. Um, and there's a final guy that I love called Sean Acor, Professor Sean Acor, a Harvard uh, yeah, professor, yeah, yeah. happiness advantage. And that's, again, 
discovered him early on and I thought, wow, happiness, which is what I want to be. That's my single goal. I just want to be happy. 80% of every day, I want to be happy. That's my single target. That's how I'm successful. And I learned that from Sean Acor. It's, just, it's an oversimplification, but that's, that's in this time that we've got. That's how I explain it. His, his books are brilliant and he's actually fantastic live as well. So, Amazing. Yeah, he's good. Really good. So, I mean, you know, that, that's a good call out. I mean, to, to the likes of Damien, the likes of Sean, you know, please check them out if you haven't. So, yeah, thank, thanks for mentioning them, Sean. They're, they're real inspirations. And, and sorry, who did you say? Was it Dakar? What was his name? So his name is, it's Dakar, D-A-C-H-E-R, Keltner, K-E-L-T-N-E-R. Um, once, once he never, he's, he's American, he's Californian, he looks Californian. Um, but his work is just brilliant. It's just, oh my gosh, it's just, I, I love just seeing new videos or new talks with him. Just fantastic. Wonderful. Brilliant, brilliant. Great, great recommendations. So you've obviously had, you know, it's, it's quite a story. You've worked at different organizations, you know, you've yeah. set up business. So I always ask, have you got any fun stories that you could share or a fun story, you know, from your adventures, from your exploits? Um, and, and I don't know, might, something might come to mind that, that you've done recently or in the past. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so as you as you know, um, I started open water, water swimming. I, I was looking at Vim Hof for for a couple of years and the breathing and the mindset um, through Vim Hof, and I really wanted to try it. So last winter, I started doing it with uh, a group of uh, friends um, at a marine lake near to me. So we started in the winter, um, and it was phenomenally hard, tough, painful, but we grew into. Um, acceptance of cold, you know, learning about the, the, the brown adipose fat, all this the tissue that's inside us, all these things, and learn to how mentally strong I can become by staying in water, freezing water for up to 20 minutes, uh, which is what wow. we were doing in the winter. Uh, but coming out, enjoying it, feeling amazing, and feeling this reset and all the advantages that they were, that, that Vim um, and his studies uh, talk about. So, it is incredible. My, I've got asthma and um, it massively improved my asthma, which was incredible in the winter. Yes. It massively improved my, my asthma, which was just how, how cold water and, and you're breathing it into your lungs. But, but it was phenomenal. So, yeah, it's, it's incredibly interesting how that works. Um, and one of my clients is John West, um, who obviously do, you know, all the tuna and the salmon and everything else on the supermarket <laughs> shelves great organization running um, a leadership program with them over about six months or so and um, they they just happen to mention about swimming so we get chatting and they say oh we actually sponsor the great swim so I said okay yeah fine tell me about it and it happens in different locations over the country each year um, so I did it this year and it was in Lake Windermere and they said go on do the mile you'll do the mile no problem you swim now and of course you know you let yourself get talked into it and it's all yeah. friendly so I did that, bought the wetsuit, started competitively training. And I don't like competitive Sean. I just like fun Sean now. But yeah. I started going back into competitive Sean until I got to Lake Windermere. And then I realized that I was hideously underprepared, hideously overconfident. And, oh, my goodness, I had to swim half a mile in this lake. They said, oh, don't worry, it's a little bit choppy. Oh, no, Every no. <laughs> every time every time I, I tried to do crawl and every time i switched my head to the left into the open lake i just got smashed in the face by waves and i swallowed <laughs> half the lake so i ended up doing breaststroke made it halfway and at that point the the endorphins kicked in i thought this is it punch the air 
and just went to crawl. I went from breaststroke to crawl, and that was it then. Just my left calf seized up completely in the oh, most incredible oh. pain. And I was paddling water with one leg, yelling to the kayak, oh, my gosh, help. So, <laughs> oh. so there was me. There was this brilliant, fantastic, victorious new experience reduced to me just, just limping back breaststroke um, with, with a cramped leg. To finish it off, the final bit, and this is where I'll finish, I get to go out the lake, but you forget you've been swimming for an hour. So your body is used to being uh, supported. So I went to put weights on my legs. Both of them instantly cramped both calves. I collapsed. I face planted in the water right in front of this poor woman. And <laughs> I, was lift, I was lifted out by two 70-year-olds who helped me out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have drowned. Brilliant. <laughs> so... Yeah, they asked, did you learn anything from that experience? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, the importance of practice. Get back into being competitive, Sean, when you need to, Sean. Don't be so flipping smart next time. Yes, absolutely. Mindset is everything. Oof. Oh, yeah, so I'm going to do it next year anyway, obviously. Got to do it. Got to beat the time. Yeah. That, that, is, that is brilliant. That's a brilliant story. Well, it wasn't at the time I'll tell, oh my yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah. Took me, it took me three days to recover I felt and I and I emotionally felt scarred and horrible and just oh I hate this I hate swimming for three days haven't felt like that for over 10 years oh my goodness but it was amazing I'm, looking back on it now amazing I bet you recharged now though aren't you ready to oh, that's the thing isn't it can't wait cannot wait yes. yes so just to close off then so final piece of advice to the listeners, what, what would you say? Yeah, I think I think um, uh, the final bit is is do not be who you've always been. Um, accept that um, uh, there may be different outcomes to what you are experiencing. Um, don't react. Just stop. Put a pause into life, into today, into this minute. Just just stop. Just allow yourself to open yourself up to the possibility. Just be curious. That's all. Brilliant. That, that's fantastic. Great, great piece of advice. And it's been brilliant having you on and such a wonderful story as well. And, you know, I've, I've got my heart set on doing a bit of open water swimming at some point. I just haven't done it yet. So uh, I uh, might, might get the suit now and give it a go. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I completely recommend it. Have a great time. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, Sean. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. It's been brilliant having Sean on the podcast to really help us think about mindset and our mental health. Now, I really believe that we should treat our mind like our bodies and have a physical workout, but also have a mental workout. And as Sean mentioned, it's talked about choice architecture. And what we tend to focus on is what we tend to get in our lives. I think Sean was a great example of him struggling with his own mental health being impacted in life and being able to come back from that by talking to the right people and getting the right support and that there's no stigma anymore and that if you are looking for help with your mental health then reach out there's going to be people there willing to help willing to coach and willing to support and when it comes to our mindset it really does get me thinking about the mindset equation and the importance of resilience but when it comes to that resilience, it really does start in the mind. And after Sean talking about open water swimming, I think I'm going to give it a go. You know, I play a little bit of football. I think it'd be brilliant to help me recover from the football that I play. 
So take care, enjoy the sun and keep smiling. Wow.